0: Hi, Brooke. Hi, Haley. What are we doing? We're going to talk about coping mechanisms. I think we should talk about them from most destructive to least destructive.
1: Okay, let's do it. This is dead, folks.
0: Hi. I, we're not dead. <laughs>
1: So coping mechanisms. So we're going to start with worst? No, best. Worst to best. Worst to best. I know what my worst is right off the bat, and I feel like it's something we share. Do you want to say it at At the the same same time? time? Okay. Let's see. One, two, two, three. three. Eating. (laughs) So much food. Mine started before my mom died. Once she decided... That's it. I'm not going to fight it anymore. There's no point. After a lifetime of dieting, she said, I'm going to eat whatever makes me feel good. And sometimes that would involve me going to get her fries from Wendy's, a burger, no, a sausage biscuit from McDonald's, ice cream from Foster's Freeze, and then like something random from the store.
0: The only thing that surprises me about that is who gets their fries from Wendy's and not McDonald's my mother it, that's the cancer talking <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean gallons of so much ice cream thank you superior dairy in Hanford, for existing because you really brought some joy to my mom's life back last year I, I, yeah sure and to hey, life. Hey, <laughs> life
0: in my life every time i go there and have to have chocolate
1: but she always just wanted vanilla which i thought was crazy oh, because no. they have such other good flavors yeah
0: but girl a, a good vanilla is a beautiful thing but here's the thing and this is something that
1: people to the valley will know I can eat, like, have no doubt. If I went to Superior Dairy and I was getting one scoop, I would say, don't give me the full scoop. Like, that's how much they give you.
0: So it's a hefty portion. My
1: little tiny mom could eat all of it in one sitting. She would immediately get sick, but she would eat it all.
0: I can eat it all. Wow.
1: That's a lot of ice cream. But in any case, point being, I would go, I would be sad and tired and depressed Getting her all this food. And so then I would also, too, be like, well, if I'm at Wendy's, I guess I'm getting some chili. And if I'm going to McDonald's, i got to get a Coke and so on and so forth. The chili at
0: Wendy's is actually pretty good for you. You're not helping. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying I did not eat well.
0: I don't eat well.
1: I still don't. But I'm better. But I gained 75 pounds during my mom's illness to death. And she's been dead god we're getting close to three years now that's crazy two and a half your mouth a little more no i think so right because your mom was 2016 so yeah oh fuck crazy right how is that possible i don't know but like yesterday it happened in any case i've lost like half of that weight i'm still trying to get the other half off but food is like this momentary suppression of the sadness where you get Joy, not even joy but like a satiation like just a little bit of comfort for a few seconds it adds up to worse yeah later
0: I have always used food as my coping mechanism and it's always been my primary one and I actually remember uh, my mom saying to me at one point I may be addicted to alcohol Brooke but you're just as addicted to food and which is worse as she looked at my body I know I wasn't so mean I know it's really mean and also it's like
1: Joan Crawford level like Joan mother. Crawford
0: mother level mean and then also you need to know I was like a full 70 pounds lighter than I am now so who knows what she would think now
1: my mom would just be like oh, you'd be so pretty if you dressed well
0: oh damn <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, cool 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 yeah so I guess food although you know having said that like there are things worse than food
1: there are, and I am lucky to say that in my life, I all the, all the alcohol issues, drug issues, one-night stands, sexual-type issues, trust that I had them, I but I you. had um, pretty much conquered, mostly conquered those. I had been sober for a long time before my mom got sick and really done the work to change as a person, and the problem with addictive personalities, which, again, I think run in my line is a genetic thing it is almost like trading out like your mom is right in a certain sense that why is one worse than the other you know culturally we might have different standards but but also we treat obese people pretty terribly in in our culture
0: yeah but one is worse than the other because you like do need to eat to live well <laughs> that's the thing because so I've done
1: I've done AA. I've done OA. I've tried all these different things. And the hard thing about food is you have to, you can't just cut it out of your life forever and be like, I'm just not going to deal with it. It is like a decision you have to make on average three times a day for the rest of your life. So,
0: yeah. You know, I just, I think it's the most destructive for me because if I look at physically how I feel when I eat that stuff, like I, like my gut, my gut is so sensitive. Like it will wreck my gut to eat the way I've been eating. And then how I feel about being heavy. Like those things probably have way more impact on my life than my other most destructive coping mechanism, which is shopping, hoarding. Oh, that's close. I mean, same Same difference basically, which because I don't do expensive because I do thrift stores and get great deals. It's not, it's not like I'm, it's not like you're racking up debt or anything like I that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's but, still, I still have a very full house unnecessarily. So does it feel to you, because to me a lot of
1: times with the eating when I gain the weight, I just feel like I have this extra layer of, of like sadness and grief on my body. And sometimes I feel the same way when I get too much too much stuff in my house do you feel that at all no no you're the hoarding brings you comfort the belongings
0: i love my things. yeah so See? much i love them i like to have i'm like ariel Ooh, that thing that song where she hoards all her animal all her animal all her human things who's it's and what's it's galore want to think about bob are we right are you with me?
1: We've turned into a musical podcast. No, I'm just saying. it's bound to happen.
0: <laughs> Anyways, no, I love it. Um, and I was saying to a shrink at one point, like, listen, I can eat or I can go to a thrift store. But asking me to give them both up is feels really unreasonable. It just really feels like we are taking away all of my coping mechanisms.
1: Did you get rid of
0: either? Uh, I was playing with, at times, being very conscious. I mean, it's, it's a work in process. When I eat for comfort and when I shop for comfort, I try to be really conscious of the fact that that's what I'm doing and really, really try to assess what I'm bringing into my life and what I'm keeping out of my life by bringing that in. It is a little harder though because of my job as a costumer does require that I go to thrift stores, mm. so it, that does get difficult. But I would say that it is less destructive than eating.
1: I don't have so much a problem with like going out and getting things as I do with when people who are close to me die, wanting to hold on to their stuff as like mementos. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked before about like everything becomes important even when it wasn't before. And you're yeah. like, oh, this hat that they literally never wore. <laughs> I I must have it to remember them. And so I had, you know, my cousin died and then my grandpa died and then my mom died and I had a couple friends die. So, and now my grandma is aging kind of out of life. So, my house suddenly is full with all this stuff where I can't, it's not just having like, okay, here's eight people and you have one belonging per person. It was like I had to take 12 things per person and all of a sudden my house is just full of crap and I feel like there's all these dead energy things Mm. around. So I'm condensing down and just had a yard sale where I let go of a lot of that stuff. I put a lot of that stuff in the pile and I have to say it felt good. Bittersweet. I feel like bittersweet is like the way I feel about most things now.
0: I have my skeptical face on listeners. You don't think it felt good? I'm sure it felt good for you you're saying
1: it wouldn't feel good for you
0: no i have a lot of stress and sadness when i get rid of things do you remember the picture i posted remember when i had to go from a two-car garage to a one-car garage i do do you remember that picture of the baskets that i kept Mm -hmm. you need to know i got rid of about half that size picture of baskets and getting rid of each and every one was hard and i find myself wanting to buy baskets because i got rid of so many baskets I, it's like I forget about the baskets I had. Getting rid of the baskets that I got rid of was so difficult. Does that make sense?
1: Um, I feel like the word baskets is starting to sound funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. But well, then what's your next? Also. <laughs> All right. We've talked well, I, about. I, I just want to ask you. Uh-huh.
1: What do you think that's about?
0: Oh, the hoarding? Well,
1: the the baskets or anything. You know,
0: I don't know. I haven't really examined that with a therapist yet. I know that I have had um, a real love of things my whole life. Like I remember collecting and really cherishing things as, as far back as I can remember. Um, so I'm not really sure what that's about.
1: I wish I knew. I don't know. Um, maybe I'll go do my half-assed Google research that I do and come back to you with an answer. Oh, about but- why I'm a hoarder? about why <laughs> i mean i don't know not, not why you're a hoarder necessarily but like why it makes you sad
2: oh to get rid of
0: things why it's
1: hard for you yeah what are you, what are you associating with oh, the keeping oh well
0: because because uh, the potential's gone the cool thing it But could isn't be. there always
1: the potential to get isn't there more potential cuz now instead of that one basket you could get any basket
0: no because i found a special jewel and i was lucky to find it
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: I feel like with me like
1: if I have like a basket that I love and then like I give it away at a yard sale and someone I I hear like look I found this great basket and I'm like oh this gets to go someone's getting it for an even better deal than I got it for and they're going to be so excited to have it and it's getting its new life it brings me joy
0: I just don't trust that people are going to give my my like what are you going to do with my basket yeah I just don't feel like they're going to give it the good (laughs) life I could have given it interesting as as a basket that belongs to me it could be in a play it could time travel back to the olden days
1: or it could stay in your garage
0: it could also go camping with me i mean there's just so many things a basket with me could do
1: but but you often i know this about you Get paralyzed by the possibility, and then you have all these things that just sit there and don't, and don't do used. any of those things because you're afraid if it becomes your camping basket that it can't be
0: Another your theater basket. basket. That's a hundred percent true. Haley White is is familiar with me, ladies and gentlemen. We have met. We have met. All right, I think we've talked about baskets about as yes. much as any podcast. So, so are there any
1: other things that you think you do?
0: Oh, that are like just straight up coping mechanisms? Yeah,
1: that aren't good. We're still in the...
0: Well, we're getting to better and better. <laughs> so this one is both good and bad. And that's the obsessive talking about it. I can talk about what is bothering me, whether it is the loss of my mother or my way or society. Literally nonstop, ad nauseum. I mean, I would fall asleep talking. And I think in some ways that's really good. Because I think, like, uh, you know, we talked a little while ago about naming stuff. And once you name it, it becomes doable. And there's a lot of benefit in being self-aware. But I think also it's hard for me sometimes to leave the world of chatter and move into the world of action. Which is why I love having Haley in my life.
1: You think I'm an action
0: person? I think that this podcast wouldn't be happening if Um, you didn't take the action to make it happen.
1: Yeah, I guess... I always feel like I'm such a small level action person, but I guess.
0: Well, compared to a no action person, it's very impressive. I don't know
1: for me if it's as much talking about it as it's thinking about it. I overthink. I know I overthink. I obsess. I am an obsessive thinker. I obsess. That's so
0: interesting because I'm actually not thinking about it unless I'm talking about Mm it.
1: Yeah, I think I I have a bit of an obsessive like loop of thoughts that happen and they can bring me down to very low places and they also can help pull me out but that's one of mine.
0: Yeah. So next getting better the yeah. whole time. So I was thinking like we would do 5 each cuz mm-hmm. 10 seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. So now uh, a coping mechanism I have that I actually think is that quite good that I've been able to utilize is So I took dialectical behavioral therapy for like, I don't know, a hot month. And then I couldn't take it anymore because I lost my health insurance (laughs) because America. And one of my favorite things, though, that I learned in that in that series of classes was this idea of stopping in your tracks and then just analyzing the physical sensations of something. So I um, designed a show that is going up at one of my jobs and I could only be there for first dress and second dress. Final dress, I could not be there and I couldn't be there for opening because of another commitment. Final dress, they changed something. And my first instinct was like, I'm sorry, what? We had set the design. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was like soups offense, right? But then I was like, all right, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Aiello, before you send that text, what are you feeling right now? Well, my heart's beating faster, all right? Why is that well i'm I think I'm embarrassed. What are you embarrassed about? well, I'm embarrassed that that I didn't see the problem and fix it the two nights I was there, and then like I was able to like sit through that mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it listen, if you actually do dbt I know I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> so I mean, write a letter if you want, but try not to be too mad um, <laughs> So I was able to kind of work through that and was like, okay, well, hey, I in the end, I got to the place where, listen, I made the choice to do these two projects. I knew that they conflicted. I knew that I would only have two days. The director has been living with his show. One of the things I gave up when I chose to do this other thing is kind of my right to get too upset about this. Yeah. And I need to let go of some of my ego in this because that's not what it's about. And go ahead and facilitate someone else's work. Calm down, crazy. You're still telling a story. You're still providing a great experience for, for students.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that can be a useful tool in general. Oh, in, you death. Know, death. Just to stop... And not only think of yourself and what's causing your own reactions to anything, but to give that consideration to other people and what might be causing their reactions to anything you're doing or saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it just, for me, it all stops with being able to just stop and start to identify concrete body sensations. Like, okay, what's happening in my body right now? Yeah. And what am I thinking? And why am I thinking that? Yeah. And same thing, like sometimes I'll get freaked out about my mom and or my dad you know, relationships alter after the, after death and I'll start being like, well, why don't they care? And am I just a, you have let everyone down and I had so much potential and, and I just have to be like, okay, whoa, 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 first of all, stop. What are you feeling? I'm feeling some tension in my shoulders and some upsetness in my stomach. All right. Well, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so just, just that 10 seconds, literally just to stop and Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. I didn't know how to stop until I started stopping by identifying the physical sensations of my body.
1: Well, and stopping intentionally, like yeah, to to mark it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a way to stop until I until they. That's the skill that I had, mm-hmm. where you just identify body sensations. So yeah, that
1: is sort of wrapped up in one of my things that is helpful which is meditation and mm-hmm. i've i've been a meditator for a long time but like actually paying more attention to it and like doing it more regularly and keeping up the practice just the idea of a stopping to breathe because i'm very bad about holding breath and not breathing deeply and the difference in that alone is crazy. Mm. Like it is crazy how much if you're feeling upset or your ego is bruised or anything to just stop and breathe for a few seconds. Like I know that's like a joke in in so many I things, know. but it's really valid. Like it really really helps. So,
0: grad school anecdote. Mm. I was watching um a grad school classmate who I was very close to who lost his dad in the middle of working on Macbeth together, and one of the things he had been writing um was this? Uh, he was. It was called Four Pops, and it was about boxing. And he was writing it, and like as he was like talking about it, like analytically, because it was a grad school class, and blah. Um, he like started to choke up, and he just literally like you could just see him. He just stopped, and he just like aligned his like did like a little spinal, and he just took a deep breath, and he just kept moving. And it's not that he stopped crying. It's just that he sat for a second in that breath and was able to keep moving. Mm -hmm. It was like, he's such a sweet guy.
1: Yes. Those are very similar. And meditation, just, just taking some time to like think and, and be present, which, which is something that I think I've been better about since that particular loss, my mom, Mm. um, As I used to be such a forward-thinking person, I used to be such a goal-oriented person and and taking that and going, you can't trust any of that. You can set goals, sure, but like being more worried about today than five years from now has been helpful. Also for me, so the meditation is part of, I am going back to school and this is something that you're not in school right now, but I think you do too, is using art as a means of coping And connecting the grief and the loss to art. And for me, this grad school program, my grad school program is very good about incorporating like somatics into the art so that you're aware of your own body and your your own spirituality and state of being to whatever art you're creating and art you're observing. For me, art has been and writing, whether that's freelance or not freelance, but freestyle, just journaling or writing poetry or whatever has been very, very good for me.
0: Literally, every person I've ever met has told me that I should journal. And I literally. I think I've told you that. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the people I've met. And uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you don't
1: journal because I don't hoard things. And one thing I do hoard, I have so many journals.
0: I, I too have a couple journals. I just,
1: you, you don't want to use them because the potential of what they, they could be a prop in a play or they could go camping with they you.
0: They could be full of like real profound thoughts and not just my l- grocery lists. Which And is then you in- have to throw ev- them away at the end. Well, which is inevitably what I fill my journals with. But I actually do. I do want to start journaling more faithfully at all. I was about to say more faithfully at all. <laughs> um, you know, I like what you're thinking. I have been very lucky to work on some of the most profoundly fulfilling artistic projects of my life since my mother's death one of them came directly from her death in that my dad gave me part of her health um, her life insurance and I used it to produce a play for myself and then really the the joy I have making art and and the way I get to open up different doors within myself I love that and I love getting to talk about theater all day every day with young people because even if like mostly their eyes are dead sorry I was just thinking about like their dead dead eyes or just like they're on their phone and they're not even trying to hide it.
1: The youth are who are going to
0: save us all so. I feel like you don't spend as much time with the youth as I do. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways um, there are uh, no the ones that are there are profoundly smart and intelligent and active and make me feel good but tell it just telling talking to people about about theater and what i think it can do which is like my actual job fills me with a lot of joy and this isn't just grief this is dealing with my depression and whatever diagnosis my current therapist is giving me but well let's talk before we came here you had talked about
1: you're in a show right now i am you're playing a role that you said feels a little off currently because
0: because it's it requires me to go a place I'm scared to go. The character is Jacques. Actually, we're not saying it that way, Jacques. In uh, I really wish you would all say Jacques every, <laughs> every time. Every time, like it's totally modern and American, but it's Jacques. Yes, you have to cut out that because no one's gonna like that. But this character character is like a a rather infamous melancholy, curmudgeon. and um, it's not there. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm a little in the, in the woods. <laughs> um, okay, because the character is in the woods. That's why I laughed. Um, still about this person that I am trying to live in. And uh, a lot of it is because I myself have just really deal with a, a lot of pretty severe depression and other things. And I am finding myself really scared to be 100% present in Jacques Riz's melancholy because it just feels so familiar. So for my MFA studies, I'm sort of focusing
1: everything around the angle of art and how it can help with grief and trauma and, and transforming people from hurt places to healed places. And I did Fun Home, played Alison Bechtel. Was it right after? It might have been a year after my mom died. It was soon. And I talked a lot with my advisor, Devorah, who I love, and if she's listening, I love you so much, Devora. When there is a character who has that dark space... That you're familiar with, how you can when you're young and you first learn about like method acting when you're like 18 and you're like
0: I've always scorned it.
1: See, and I always was just like, oh yes, bring on the crying and the tears and the My torment. Dear and, boy, why don't you just act? I'll get to be a tormented artist and feel tormented. And if you feel tormented, then that's how you identify with people. No,
0: literally, never wanted that. Oh,
1: that was. God, uh, same thing as a writer. I was like I just need to do opium and like and like drink whiskey all night Can and then I'll be a writer. Can you describe my face right now? You you gen- your face generally always looks horrified by things I'm saying.
0: <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> okay go. Uh,
1: and at, and at first I was I was in danger of like really kind of loving to feel that melancholy and strife that she had if for those of you who don't know it's a play about how she had a complicated relationship with her father before he died but what i realize lately is that there's something so comforting and something that i love about acting and i don't really act that much anymore certainly not as much as you do is is actually being able to explore that With having the separation is Mm -hmm. is like allowing the separation where you get to go to that place, but not all the way because you're you are doing it through a separate character. And I think there's something in that that is a very healthy, healthy coping mechanism and is one of my favorite things about acting now that I've come to a healthy place where I'm not that method actor who's like, oh, I'm playing you know, a rape victim. So I'm going to use all my experience with sexual assault to just remember every horrible moment of having someone touch my body without consent. You know what I mean? That I do not encourage that young actors. It's it's terrible. I just want to know who is
0: encouraging that. Like, we need May, to talk. I,
1: you know, it's the whole sense memory thing. You know, yeah. I t- I took it very literally. I
0: wonder, though, if it's, like, just a whole bunch of, like, creepy old white guys who are, like, wow, let's see how vulnerable we can make these, like, young cry, girls. Cry, bitch, cry. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Anyways, uh... I, that certainly didn't happen to me. Like I, I was never a. Well, you were never a thing. You ne- were never no, into. I it. I always thought it sounded like mumbo jumbo. Not man. that
1: acting has any really has anything to do with grief, except that we're artists, and yeah. some of our listeners are probably artists too, and understand some of our listeners, plural. You know what? You keep making fun <laughs> of me every time as much as you want, and I will see our numbers grow from twelve listeners to twenty to thirty. I'm telling you. I
0: love it. I love it. I love it. Because you know what? I think that's the most faith anybody has ever had in something I've been part of. (laughs) Like, maybe ever in my life. I'm not going to lie to you. That feels really good. Thank you, Haley.
1: I'm just statistically speaking, podcasts have jumped to like, they're (laughs) from. (laughs) I read some article. (laughs) Look at my. Describe my face right now. Shut your stupid, (laughs) loud face. It was something like 62 million Americans listen to podcasts regularly. You know some of those people are hurting for grief. Some of them are probably tired of listening to What's Your Grief and other great grief podcasts that I listen to. What? There's for grief podcasts? There's so many of them.
0: I got to say my podcast is all history and true crime.
1: I mean, I think most podcast listeners are listening to true crime. It's so
0: good. Which
1: which we should do a murder episode sometime. Okay. Grieving murder. Like, okay. I have friends who have lost people from murder, I feel. I mean, I don't want to belittle it, but...
0: No, 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 no. I'm just like, wow, that's like a big... It's yeah. big. That feels real big. It's big. I think we need to get much better before oh, we we're, do
1: that. Oh, we're definitely ramping up. I... <laughs>
0: I think we need to just we get... We definitely still
1: don't know what we're doing. Oh, yeah.
0: No, we have to get 100% better before we let somebody with that sort of trauma come in and be exposed to our, like, foolishness. Agreed. But I'm saying I have faith in us.
1: My advisor, Sharon, who I also love, I said I love Devorah earlier, but I love Sharon too. Uh, she said we're like click and clack.
0: Best compliment I've ever gotten, literally. Yeah. Um, and then we have a friend who wants to do a pet loss podcast, which is close to my heart since I'll never have children, but... I love my cats a stupid amount, an embarrassing amount.
1: I think that falls under the category of one of those things that that people don't treat the same way. These relationships sometimes with a lot of people are longer than any human relationship that they've been in outside of their immediate family. And that's, that's a huge loss. I don't even, I haven't had a pet in decades, but I know how big that is. And I think that's one of the many things that we don't let allow people to grieve openly about.
0: I mean, yeah, we we barely allow people to grieve openly about their parents and their spouse. And there's a really fabulous novel. I think it's by Tracy Chevalier that is about two different cemetery. One is an urn and one is a weeping angel. And it's about how these families interact and it's kind of structured around the very strict gr- grief that is in the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. But one of the most interesting things is one person loses their sister, one person loses their mother, and they talk about how, um, according to the bereavement books, they're, they're an equal loss. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, how weird is that to like have these like gradients of loss that you're supposed to feel I wish I knew the name of that book. It's so good. I like Tracy Chevalier a lot. I always wonder, because, you know, my sister is
1: my best friend. Everybody knows. Who does Haley love most? Like, everybody knows Lindsay. And I know that loss would be so devastating, will be, whichever way it happens. Mm -hmm. But I wonder sometimes, like when we talked about complicated relationships last time, I don't know that anything will hurt the way losing my mom hurt, because I know that when I lose my sister that she knows that she was my person, that mm. everyone in the world knows she was my person. And because she was my person, I feel like there is a bit of comfort knowing that I can we either one of us would be able to lay the other one to rest. Yeah. And it's like the whole not knowing that my mom mm. if whether or not she knew I liked her thing. I wonder sometimes. Yeah. Or is it just like I you know, I talk to my sister practically every day. Is that gonna be more a harder loss because it's so close and it's so she's such a huge chunk of my day to day life
0: you may be lucky maybe you'll die first
1: <laughs> or maybe <laughs> they'll be equally awful <laughs> just teasing you <laughs> oh I probably will mm-hmm. my sister's way more healthy than I am let's let's be honest
0: she's she's insanely younger. healthy like, yeah, I feel she would, like she
1: would be like oh stop
0: I feel like doesn't she like jog places and stuff all the time I don't know <laughs> She she's she uh Yes. Yes. Fights. B- boxing. Kickboxing. Boxing. Boxes. Boxing. Yeah, she has a boxing gym.
1: She doesn't have one. She goes to one. Yeah. Off track.
0: Anyway. A little bit. Oh, but that's a that would be a very healthy way of dealing with grief. Box. That's, Exercising. Yeah. That's what I should be doing. Yeah. Remember when all we used the, to do that? All the, <laughs> the,
1: although my sister and she fully acknowledges how crazy town this is. She they did like this March Madness thing at her gym and like a couple years in a row I think actually three years in a row it's like whoever does the most hours in the month wins a prize or wins the title or whatever like eight hours a day like you can even take good means of coping far but but for her she was like a it's healthy and b she wanted the honor you know she was very aware I think that I think a lot of people were judging her for it and, and telling her that it wasn't it that it had turned from a healthy coping mechanism over to one that wasn't. But for her, she was like, it was actually helpful. It was yeah. making her feel better. It was making her body feel better. It was giving her a reason to get up. You know, so who's to say?
0: I mean, the issue is always moderation, right? Like, I mean, she, yeah, she did that a couple marches and then she did other things as well.
1: Right. You want to make room. It wasn't room. like a year round.
0: Yeah. You want to make room for other things that exist.
1: But but my point being that you can't necessarily tell someone else what is working for them or what isn't working for them.
0: Yeah, Because everybody grieves differently and yeah. everybody copes differently. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm going to say this. When it comes right down to it, if I'm coping by McDonald's fries, okay. Like, at least I'm still getting up and going to work every day and, and taking care of the cats. You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like like the expectations are so high for doing everything. Right. Having your side hustle. Working your job. Uh, Saving the planet, making sure you recycle, making sure you eat right, making sure that, you know, you're doing worthwhile things in the community, making sure that you're keeping your friend relationships and your family relationships open, Uh, dating are so important that sometimes I just, you know, I just want credit for like holding down a job and getting out of bed every day because... I gotta be honest. That's real, real hard for. It's really some days. hard for me. Yeah. Most of the days lately. Yeah. I want a little prize. Well, I'm not I think lying to you. Some days,
1: healthy coping mechanisms are staying in bed. Like if mm. if some of what you're feeling is like just needing sleep or just needing to be sad, sometimes that is the best thing you can do for you. And I and I think my sister had this really good way of. She still does this is like she will set times. I remember yesterday I was sad about something and she was like, you have until 2.30 and then you're going to get over it and you're going to move on. But she will block out times like I have Saturday morning to be sad. So I'm going to be sad till noon and then I've got to get shit done. Like and give herself that time to sit in the sadness and to lay in bed and to sleep in when she needs it.
0: Yeah. And being able to be 100 percent present means that she can then leave it when she needs to. It's not just kind of Slightly there, underscoring. I find that that's true because I will not. I'll say, okay, you know what, Brooke, you're not going to be a lazy, depressed bitch this weekend. You're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to get stuff done. And I'll get up, but you know what? I'm still depressed. Like I don't know what's going on. My brain chemistry is not working for me right now, and I will keep berating myself for not getting off the couch or out of bed. But still, not get up and do it because I can't do it, and it's like I wonder if maybe I just said, "Okay, I yellow." Be a lazy, depressed that bitch. That is the difference new. between healthy
1: and unhealthy. Yeah. It's like you're literally taking the same amount of time. Yes, and one is a way where you are you you're you're naming it, which you talked about. Uh-huh. You're naming it. You're sitting with it. You're allowing it to be there, and then you're leaving it, versus feeling guilty and shameful about it, and like you're not normal for feeling that way. Yeah, the whole time, so that you don't. have the time to get over it for me a big part which is similar is um with the weight and gaining it is just having to get to a point because I was hating myself so much Mm -hmm. for all like I was seeing all these pictures and I, I I watched my mom and I both like balloon up you know is going this is who I am right now this is part I am wearing the grief on my body and in my body and that this isn't forever. This is a snapshot of a moment of time of how I'm feeling right now, and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how I'm going to feel or be ten years from now, you know.
0: And it and it doesn't make you a less worthy person. It's right. not a failure. Right. You're not failing. Yeah. It, because sometimes I, you know, I joke when I say this because I know there are things you can do worse. But sometimes I really say that it feels like the worst thing you can be in America is. Over 35 and fat.
1: And single. All together now. Trifecta of shame.
0: I have literally no shame. And people who try to shame me for calling my cat my son, I, have I feel like they haven't met your him. Your
1: shame and my neighbor's shame <laughs> and that dog's shame. And more dog. <laughs> I have all the people and things' shame. I've collected it all. I mean, I have all of it.
0: Okay, I have some of it. <laughs> But not about those things because I fucking love my cat. Plural.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's just important to remember whether you're engaging in healthy coping mechanisms or unhealthy coping mechanisms, that it's okay.
0: Yeah, and that literally the only difference between one and the other can just be the way you're framing it in your, in your yeah. little brain. God, yeah. brains are so trippy. I love their weird trippiness. Yeah. Um, I just want to reiterate that we are in... No way, medical professionals per use, I feel like I start talking about coping mechanisms. We need to make sure we don't sound like we're prescribing anything. No, I'm nothing. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a mediocre actress and a m- mediocre teacher. Ow, and you I'm okay? a klutz. You okay, boo?
1: Yeah, I ran into the microphone saw. with my
0: head. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Are you okay? You can't cut that. You know that, right? I know. <laughs> Anyway, so I just wanted to reiterate that and um, I just want to thank Lindsay and Haley's two advisors for listening to this episode.
1: <laughs> you bitch. No, I don't like saying that word. I already I'm said sorry. it once and it's been haunting me for the last 30 minutes. So, Oh, really? Yeah. I
0: love that word.
1: I know you
0: do. I've embraced it. Yeah. So any final thoughts
1: on coping mechanisms?
0: I I just said those them. those, those were them those were your I final just, thoughts. I just thought them and then I said them as I was thinking them. All right. Do we have any idea what we want to talk about next time? Literally no idea. We'll play it by ear. Yeah. And by play it by ear, you're going to come up with it and tell me, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. If
1: you have sat through all of this, thank you so much. Oh my
0: gosh, thank you so much. Thank this was great for me. Thank you for proving Brooke wrong. This was great for me, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: I miss cigarettes. Do that you? is that is a coping mechanism I don't have, but uh, anymore. But ooh, if they weren't bad for you, all the time, really, all the time. Yes,
0: I've thought about picking up smoking, but only so please I, don't. I, <laughs> only so I could lose weight. <laughs>
1: Do you see my face?
0: (laughs) No, it's the thing is, describe my face right now. And I'll describe it right now. I'll do exactly. It's uh, so her eyes are rolled all the way to the ceiling, and she has one hand placed on her mouth and chin in like a very sophisticated action of contempt. And uh, now she's laughing. See, that's how you do it. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. Well any, well, anyways
1: uh, Whatever coping mechanism you have It's fine Although if you feel yourself Smoking cigarettes, drinking a lot Engaging in one night stands Things of that nature Maybe talk to someone Maybe even if you're not doing those things Talk to someone And if you don't want to talk Just listen to us next time <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a really shitty way to end things. <laughs> I agree.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. At least we entertain ourselves, oh, and make God. ourselves feel better. I mean, really. I mean, that is, could we be any more <laughs> white women? That is like the white whitest womenest thinginiest, I can't talk. Listen, I just
0: I should have stopped
1: ten I'm, minutes ago. I'm
0: guilty. I feel guilty all day, every day. If I can have a little bit of joy that's not hurting anybody, please. If me laughing at you.
1: (laughs) End this episode so it's not me talking in ways.
0: Oh, I'm into it.
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: I just want to say again, thank you to the three people listening. And anyone else, Haley, may have badgered into listening to this. It helps us out so much and we hope it helps you a little bit too. Perfect. We'll see you next time. Bye.
2: Is it a wall? Is it a well? Is it a building or a bridge? Sometimes it's hard for me to tell what fucking structure. Instructions-